0: Welcome to Happily Ever After is just the beginning. Keeping your relationship not just together, but happy, and we mean truly happy, is part art and part science. You've come to the right place. Here's your host, Leslie Dorries.
1: There is a proverb that says, silence is golden. But is it? Especially in a marriage? A while back, a good friend of mine was trying to figure out the difference between silence and stonewalling, one of John Gottman's four horsemen of marriage and divorce. And I know a lot of people who remain silent in their marriages for a lot of unhelpful reasons. They're trying to avoid hurting their partner, or they don't want to start a fight, or they don't really know what to say that isn't going to make the situation worse, and so on and so on. And I do know that I have the ability to overtalk my husband. He's what I call a digester. He needs to think things through and isn't comfortable answering on the fly. And in my view, this kind of processing is different from Gottman's stonewalling, but I know that a lot of people aren't given that benefit. And so, since effective communication is one of the key skills needed for a lasting, healthy relationship, I'm talking about it once again. But this time, I'm gonna be focusing on silence. And to help me uncover this topic, I'm joined by fellow marriage therapist, Mel Schwartz. So Mel, thanks for coming back on the show, and once again, delving into this whole communication stuff.
0: Well, pleasure to be with you again, Leslie. Um, I wrote an article many years ago called Silence, a Relationship killer uh. and I like all things, words and concepts have many facets and we make a, a fault culturally uh-huh. in thinking that a word means the same thing in all uses and it doesn't. So what I meant there is there can be a silence, which is a punitive silence,
1: uh-huh.
0: which is meant to punish. Um, I recall working with a couple long time ago and she had a problem finding her voice and being assertive and her husband was controlling Mm -hmm. and if anything came up where she managed to find her voice and express herself he wouldn't talk to her for two days oh wow punishing her with silence so her takeaways I'd better be careful what I say Mm -hmm. I don't want to deal with his silence. So silence can be punitive, of course, as we both understand, we all understand, listeners Uh included, um, a healthy, reflective, or meditative silence, obviously, is a good thing. And the silence, whereby in an exchange, taking a moment to pause, and not interrupting each other, Uh is healthy. But then that silence should be met with what I would call collaboration. Okay. Where there's a curiosity and an inquiry around, well, I want to make sure about what you just said. Um, I have some questions and those aren't prosecutorial questions. <laughs> oh, They're we not gotcha questions. <laughs> no, they shouldn't be. You're right. The purpose should be what I call shared meaning uh-huh. and shared meaning is We use a word, but it may mean different things to each of us, like the word intimacy, for Mm -hmm. example. We could be talking about emotional, verbal, sexual. We need to ask each other. So silence often exists on the other end of the spectrum, which is, as I alluded to with my former client, silence around a fear of finding my voice. What Mm -hmm. will they think? People who struggle with low self esteem often debate within themselves, their own monologue. Should I say this? What will people think? How will they judge me that not expressing your voice leads to a silence? The other end of the spectrum from the silence, which is controlling, angry and manipulative. So silence has many faces.
1: So, what, what would a, you know, you've talked about this a little bit, but what are some other examples of healthy silence? Because we talk, you, know, you talked about this, and, and my husband does this, where there, there just needs to be, he needs a little bit of time to process things. He's not ignoring me. He's not punishing me. He's not saying, I don't want to talk about this. It's just, he needs a little bit of time to gather his thoughts around And he doesn't. He, you know, in his case, he's he's trying to be as honest and clear as he can be, and for him, that takes a little bit of time. So, you know, the pausing, you know, to say, "Hey, I just need to think about this for a minute," um, you know, and then. Well, we'll the the
0: very the very fact the fact, Leslie, that he's communicating with you, that Mm -hmm. he's requesting his own personal space to think about it is healthy however that said Uh what would be even healthier is if he could actually open to the idea of processing lifetime with you Uh so it's not his own individual processing or analyzing but a dialogue is a rare thing we use the word dialogue but People don't really understand what does dialogue mean Uh dialogue um, comes from the Greek dialogus which means flow of meaning so in dialogue imagine your husband saying to you well Leslie you just said this Uh I have some thoughts about this but I want to make sure I understand what you mean by this underneath the words so I have some questions You see there he's engaging you in a participatory Mm -hmm. way instead of two separate monologues Uh. which reach separate conclusions and then share the end of their conclusion. That's non-participatory. In my book, the possibility principle I highlighted what I call participatory relationship, which is two people fully participating by sharing, Mm-hmm. lifetime their thoughts and feelings, which really infuses the energy of the relationship in a very positive way.
1: Okay, and so that that, that sounds really good. <laughs> so what makes that so challenging for couples? That, I mean, because you, 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 it's... It, 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 interesting because I talk about people having dueling monologues all the time because they're not really listening to each other. They're, you know, um, they're, not, they're not doing that, that interaction that you're talking about. So, I mean, obviously so, so, your former client is, is one of those things where she, she'd obviously been taught probably prior to her husband and then with her husband that it's like, be, you know, be careful opening your mouth.
0: Right. Now also the dueling monologues is the irrational insane default into the right versus wrong argument, Mm -hmm. which we're all prey to. Mm -hmm. Now I'm, I'm, I'm fond of saying, or when I work with a couple, would you rather be right or would you rather be happy? Mm -hmm. Of course they say happy and they default to the right or wrong. Of course it's instinctive. It's instinctive and it's culturally trained, uh-huh. but the way I revisit that is I say, well, if I need to be right, that means I need to make you wrong.
1: Uh-huh. Now,
0: how's that going to work out? Does anybody like being forced to see that they're wrong? No. Now the only way to really make progress in dialogue and in communication and in relationship, is to let go of the right and wrong. I can only invite somebody to hear my different point of view if I tend to their feelings and try to assure that I'm not trying to make them wrong. You see, Mm -hmm. my instinct is there's something I want you to see differently. Okay. Now what I'm going to do paradoxically is I'm not going to try to make you wrong because I don't want you back on your heels. Mm-hmm. I want you to lean in and feel not opposed during conflict. That way I can get you to see perhaps what I want you to see. I cannot do that to right and wrong. Now right and wrong happen when we're arguing facts. Facts belong in a courtroom, <laughs> feelings belong in a relationship. Right. So the way past right or wrong is to share your feelings. Now feelings aren't right or wrong. Uh If I share my feeling and you dispute it, then I might ask, well, do you care how I feel? Uh Now that gets to the heart of relationship. It's not about right or wrong. Sometimes we'll say, I love you and I'll put forth, well, if you love me, that means you should care how I feel. Right?
1: Uh So
0: shift from facts, into feelings mm-hmm. and express feelings and then we can open up to each other. Let's let go of the right or wrong debate. It goes nowhere.
1: Right. And I, and, and I love that because when, when I talk with people, you know, it, it's, it's something similar where most people aren't arguing facts, they're arguing opinions, <laughs> which is kind of the yes, same right. feelings. And so, you know, and, and, as, and, and in my viewpoint, as long as people can get to the same opinion from, from a true set of facts, then they're both quote unquote right. And that's, you know, I mean, I've had this, I, I had to learn a long time ago not to ask my son what it was like outside because he'd go, oh, it's really nice. And I'd go outside and I'd be freezing to death. So I say, what's the temperature? And he'd tell me 60 degrees. Thank you. Now I've got the information I need because sixty degrees, he's it, fine. I'm I'm in like new, dressed up like Nanook of the North, you know. So. Yet,
0: yet, yet, there's another spin on that. I used to get into an argument at bedtime with my former wife, and I would say it's hot in here, mm-hmm. and she'd say no, it's cold. We were making statements of fact. Mm-hmm. I learned to say, I feel hot. If she can't tell me, I don't feel hot. But by the way, coming back to what you just said about opinions, um, when I hear people, and this is beyond relationships, it may be Mm -hmm. world matters and politics, people tend to state something as the truth. And rather than try to change their opinion by a different truth that goes nowhere, when they state their truth, think of the word truth in quotes, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I might ask, how did you come to your belief? See, yes. I take a belief, a, a truth, I turn it into a belief.
1: Mm-hmm. Now,
0: once mm-hmm. we explain how we came to our belief, it's no longer an absolute truth.
1: I love that. So getting back to this, to this idea of silence and healthy versus unhealthy. So we have, you. you gave one example of unhealthy silence when it's being used to punish somebody. Are there, are there other kinds of unhealthy silence?
0: Um, well, not responding to someone in the moment.
1: Okay.
0: Um, it's is, is harmful. That's okay. injurious. I'm not talking about the example I gave before of going silent for days.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm talking about when you ask a question <laughs> of someone. Uh-huh. And unlike your husband is being polite and saying I need some time to process this but when you ask a question and it's met without a single word being expressed mm. that's a that's a passive anger isn't it that's I'm not going to actually acknowledge you or your question
1: uh-huh.
0: by being silent
1: interesting that's and, a problem yeah and so how, how, do these, how do these negative uses of silence impact a relationship?
0: Negatively. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, yes, okay.
0: Right, um, but they deaden the energy of a relationship. Okay. Ultimately, a relationship is about energy. Okay. Positive, neutral, or negative. Energy spirals down, It can spiral up. Mm -hmm. What does what does intentionally harmful silence do to the energy of a relationship? It sinks the relationship. Yep. Right? It's 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 devaluing and disrespecting the other person. So it sabotages a relationship. Again, I'm not talking about a respectful pause or silence. Mm-hmm. which sounds like your husband does. Um, I'm talking about malintentioned silence. Harmful. Yeah. Now, many of these behaviors are learned from childhood. You watched your parents work that way, or yep. not work that way. But we owe it to ourselves to, to be able to shift. Now, there's another problem in communication, which is reactivity. Mm-hmm. Sometimes there's something we want to talk about to get into, but we don't. We default to silence because we're afraid the other person is going to be really reactive or angry. Right. So in that circumstance, I propose enrolling the other person. You know, another expression is foaming the runway. If a plane is going to land without wheels, they foam the runway, right. so the crash is mitigated. Mm-hmm. So. It, the practice might sound like this you know there's something I've been struggling with it's been on my mind I I want to talk to you about it but I, I hesitate and then the other person will say well why because I'm um, I'm afraid you're going to be angry and reactive But that's not my intention mm-hmm. I really want to talk to you about it but you know I don't think it's going to go anywhere I think you're going to shut me down so I just don't know what to do okay. now those sentences are creating an opportunity for that other person to lengthen their fuse and not to be reactive, but to be responsive. Typically, at that point, they'll say, no, I promise, (laughs) I want to hear what you have to say. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be angry. Okay. And the words then can be taken in. That's another technique, which is very important. These techniques of communication Mm
1: -hmm.
0: are essential. The problem is no one ever taught us this. We struggle in this most valuable place in our lives because we've got no education. We're illiterate in the field of communication and relationship. So we struggle.
1: Right. So I need to remind my listeners that This is Happily Ever After is just the beginning on webtalkradio.net. I'm Leslie Dorries, and I'm talking about silence and communication with fellow therapist Mel Schwartz. And as my mother used to say, if you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. Maybe yours (laughs) did too. But that could be a problem when you really need to speak up in your marriage. And as we were just talking about, your intent isn't to be mean, but to address an issue that may not be nice. And if you don't know how to do that well, or if it's always escalating into an argument, you may take refuge in silence. But as you're hearing, this has its own set of consequences, and if you're ready to change this unhealthy dynamic, I can help. I invite you to take a moment and get in touch and schedule your free, no-obligation, five-star relationship call. You can reach me at leslie at foundationscoachingnc.com. That's L-E-S-L-I at foundations, F-O-U-N-D-A-T-I-O-N-S, coaching, N is in Nancy, C as in Charlie.com. Or you can reach me by phone at area code nine one nine nine two four zero four six three. That's nine one nine nine two four zero four six three. And now I want to get back to this conversation about communication and silence. Mel, what are some things that I mean? You were talking before the before my little break that about people learning how to communicate because we haven't been taught. Um, I liken it to you know when we're babies, everybody's just waiting for us to speak and they're hanging on our. Every word, and then after a while, nobody really wants to hear what we have to say. So, um, you know, but how do we? How do couples learn to change? To first off, even recognize that maybe there is a pattern of unhealthy silence, and then how to change that pattern?
0: Again, to move into what I call a participatory relationship, which requires emotional and verbal intimacy, Uh which simply means sharing more of my thoughts and feelings wanting to know more of your thoughts and feelings. So it's not not just transactional communication, but we're going deeper and that requires curiosity and a sense of wonder. Like in a moment saying, you know, I just had a thought. I've never had this thought before. Let me tell you what I'm thinking about and then saying, you ever have to thought like that? There's a curiosity there. Uh-huh. There's a peeking un- under the surface. Because we all have an interior world, an interior landscape. And if we're not sharing that with our partner or with any other close relationship, we're depriving the relationship of the material it needs to thrive. Uh-huh. Because then everything becomes. Predictable, stagnant, like, hi at the end of the day, hi, how was your day? Good. Yours, good. That's not going anywhere. <laughs> so when I say, How was your day? and someone says, Good, I say, No, really, I want to know. <laughs> Tell me. Um, many years ago, I was um taking a walk, going to get a cup of coffee, and I passed um uh, the attendant who parked cars at valet parking,
1: uh-huh.
0: um, and I, I was friendly with him. I said, "Hi, hey, Jacques, how are you?" He said, "I can't complain." And I went on to get my coffee, and I thought about it. Uh-huh. I thought, "I can't complain" could mean I have nothing to complain about, or I wouldn't let myself complain. I was curious, uh-huh. so on my way back, I stopped. I said, Jacques. It could mean two different things, I can't complain. I'm curious, which do you mean? My question made him uncomfortable. Uh huh. I stayed with it. And he <laughs> said to me, In the culture that he came from, what they were trained is that you literally cannot complain because no one would be interested.
1: Wow. I yeah. said,
0: Well, I'm asking you to make an exception. When I ask how are you? that's not just waving.
1: Uh huh.
0: When I say how are you I really want to know so going forward could you tell me and he smiled and said okay (laughs) now I'm using that as an example
1: Mm -hmm.
0: how are you can become the same as hi, right which doesn't beg any answer or how are you can be a real inquiry Mm -hmm. so in relationships don't we owe each other something more? Well, the expression, Leslie, the expression, love you,
1: uh, huh.
0: boy, that, that bothers me. (laughs) We, we, we took, I love you Mm -hmm. and we turned it into love you and love you became a substitute for goodbye at the end of a phone call
1: Uh or
0: at the end of meeting someone, bye, love you. And nobody says, I love you anymore. These shortcuts in terms of communication are devastating to our relationship with ourselves and with others. We lose deeper connection and meaning.
1: Right. Well, and it's interesting that, you know, cause you were talking about the the person who comes home and says, you know, one person says, how was your day? And they said, you know, good or fine. And the other one you, how, how was your day? Good or fine. And then that's, that's the only conversation. And I think one of the things that, you know, one, we don't. We aren't really taught how to communicate well, effectively, what, what have you. And then, two, because of that, you we and we there's an assumption that oh, I know I know what my partner's thinking and feeling, so I don't need to ask, you know. And um, which which one is first off disrespectful, and two, it's also distancing because you know, people get out of the habit. Of having these conversations, you know, when we when we fall in love. I mean, we, I, when my husband and I met, we let, we lived in different cities, and this was back pre pre-inter, pre internet, back with the dinosaurs, and you know, we spent hours every night on the phone. Talk, I mean, minimum it was like an hour talking to each other every night on the phone for like three months, <laughs> and. You know, and so we, 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 when you're talking that long to somebody, you're actually getting into depth and substance. You're not doing that yes. surface five-minute, how was your day fine, how was your day fine kind of thing. And, you know, and, and that's a form of connection, isn't it? That 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 deeper, like you were talking about, that sharing.
0: Well, part, part, part of what I teach, one of the principles in my book is the value of uncertainty. So Oscar Wilde said, or as you wrote, uncertainty is the essence of romance. That's what you were just describing Mm -hmm. because in your conversations with your husband early on, there was a not knowing an uncertainty, a sense of wonder and curiosity. And uncertainty is the essence of romance and passion. It's passionate. What we do after a while when the relationship is secured, we default to predictability. Mm -hmm. We think everything is known Mm -hmm. and then we're not really present. It loses its vitality. So we should embrace uncertainty, embrace not knowing, ask questions, have curiosity, and it makes the whole thing come much more alive.
1: But but Mel, doesn't isn't that just uncomfortable? I mean, my, my my partner might say something that's hard to hear, or that I you know I what do I do with this? I mean you know isn't this why a lot of times people resort to silence
0: it well look people work out, go to the gym, lift weights, go running, do yoga or Pilates. Mm -hmm. Physically, we embrace discomfort. Okay. Emotionally, if we don't embrace discomfort and stay in our comfort zone, we're not going to grow now. So it may be uncomfortable. Again, what if we embrace the discomfort and we said, wow, it's a tough question or a tough comment you made. That does make me feel uncomfortable, but let me lean into it. If it makes me uncomfortable, there's probably something for me to learn here. We have to change our relationship with discomfort, change our relationship with uncertainty, embrace it, and then we'll get the results we want.
1: So what are some, are there any, what would they be? Simple steps? No, I did not say easy steps for a couple to start introducing this openness to uncertainty.
0: Uncertainty needs to be seen not as a negative word. Okay. In our culture, uncertainty is seen as negative. Okay. I kind of turn this all around in a different direction. Certain equals the future's already known, predictable stagnated, boring, dull. Uh Uncertainty in my book, I write uncertainty equals possibility. If you are watching a brand new movie, you don't want to know the ending. Do you, (laughs) if you're, if you're a sports fan and your favorite team played in a big game and you T voted, you don't want to know what the final score is. You're reading a novel. You don't want to know how it's going to turn out. We embrace uncertainty everywhere else in our lives, except primarily our relationships. And that's why our relationships struggle. So there's a paradox here. Okay. Reality is uncertain. Quantum physics reveals the nature of reality is uncertain. Right. So if we're going to avoid uncertainty, the result is fear and anxiety. And in the relationship stagnation. Uh So to me, I thought, well, what if I embrace uncertainty? That means I get to ride the winds of change. I get to navigate like there's a current in the stream. I want to jump into the current. Doesn't mean I can't navigate, but Uh I don't want to hold back the current. That's not going to work. Same thing in the relationship. So, it requires a, 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 a new world view, which is, hey, if the operating rules of relationship don't work out really well, half of marriages end in divorce, bigger problem, majority of intact committed relationships after a period of time, far from happy. Correct. Wow. Yeah. That's a staggering rate of failure. If marriage were corporation, it would be bankrupt. Uh-huh. So why do we tolerate that rate of failure? If by the way, if a corporation goes bankrupt and wants to file chapter 11 to reorganize and get back into business, it has to have a new business plan But
1: uh-huh. well,
0: we need a new game plan for relationships. We need to welcome uncertainty, uh-huh. ask new questions, have curiosity just like you described Leslie about when you and your husband first started talking.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Why would he want to give that
1: up? Well, yeah, because if, if I, I always find it interesting when people will tell me that, you know, they've been together for so long, they don't have anything to talk about. And I'm like going, well,
0: that, how that is that, that even might possible? Be, but that's just, well,
1: that's just me, right?
0: Well, sadly, that means two individuals have nothing new in their own minds mm. that they're thinking about, uh-huh. which 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 does happen. But every day, I've got something new I want to talk about because I'm having new thoughts, new perceptions, new insights, new questions, and it could be new fears. It Uh could be new insecurities. It's not just the positive stuff, guys, (laughs) you know, but it's new. Right. It's new. So if two people have nothing to talk to each other about, It sounds to me like two people who aren't actually engaging each day in a generative way. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: So, if you have two people who have dulled themselves to life, of course, we're going to have a dulled relationship, won't
1: we? Yeah, I love that. So, you know, Mel, you and I could talk about this for hours. Unfortunately, my producer's going to wrap it up. (laughs) (laughs) So you know, I I know that you have a new course coming out. Um, and so what is that course and, and how can people access it?
0: Okay. I'm going to be teaching a course called cultivating resilient and intimate relationships. All the things we talked about today and much more because we didn't get this education. Uh It's going to be a live zoom course which is going to be four Tuesday evenings starting April 5th. The good news is if you're not available, they're going to be archived so you can access the course whenever you like. And the course comes with copies of my books and my podcast and the articles I've written. Everything is included in it. The way to read about it is go to zoom with Mel Schwartz, dot com. My name is spelled M-E-L-S-C-H-W-A-R-T-Z. So zoom with Schwartz.com and you'll come to the landing page. And if you have any other questions beyond that, feel free to write to me at Mel at MelSchwartz.com.
1: Great. And, and I highly, if, if you found this conversation interesting, I highly recommend you join that course. Because you know, one of, one of my Leslie-isms is that no one has to take a Relationship 101 class and everybody should. So this is an opportunity <laughs> to do just that. Because quite frankly, good communication skills aren't enough to resolve every issue in your marriage. But without them, it is impossible to really solve any of them. And if walls of words or walls of silence are used to keep your partner at arm's length, Your marriage is suffering, and I know you don't want that. So the question is, what will you do to change that? And I hope one of the things that you will do is to keep listening to this show. So until next week, stay loving.